Hey church, it's Jonathan Brocious. Let's pray together today. Reach down from above, grab me and rescue me from the surging water, from the power of foreigners who speak lies and make false promises. Psalm 144 verses 7 and 8. My first job was easy. I applied at a local ice cream parlor and I got paid $6 an hour to hang out and dip ice cream. It wasn't a very busy place and so there was a ton of downtime. I was usually by myself and I didn't have a cell phone so I read books, stared at the clock, and listened to music. The only CD in the place that wasn't country was the Beatles' number one album so that sparked my love of the Beatles. My second job was hard. The summer before college, I got hired at an Alcoa aluminum plant. The plant took bauxite that had been mined in China and melted it with electricity until we had aluminum. The facility was crazy. It used as much electricity in a week as the whole city of Baltimore did in a year. Every summer, the plant would hire college students to help cover for the regular workers that were taking vacations. The pay was great, so I jumped at a chance to start saving for college. The shifts were all over the place on a rotating schedule that took a PhD to fully understand. As I went through orientation, I realized that I was going to be working almost every weekend for the entire summer. That was a major bummer to me, but I needed the cash to pay for my tuition, so I kept moving forward. Then I heard about one job in the plant that got weekends off. It was one of the hardest, hottest jobs in the plant, and it was 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. every night but I could have my weekends back with my family. And since my last name starts with a B, I had the most seniority in the new class of employees. I got the first pick of jobs and I took it. Honestly, that job taught me physical endurance in a real way. I almost passed out a few times from the heat, but I had to keep pushing or the guys made fun of me. The guys working with me also didn't believe in taking breaks. We worked hard and fast. But one of the interesting things about the midnight shift was the lack of supervisors. Supervisors always figured out a way to not be there during the midnight shift. This led to some pretty lax practices around our section of the plant. The guys I was teamed up with would take eight hours of work and compress it into five. That way they could go sleep in the break room for the rest of the shift. One night, halfway through the summer, the lack of supervision went wrong. We attacked our job at 11 p.m. and we slaved away until 4 a.m. We packed up our tools, cleaned up the job site, and headed to the break room to cool off in the air conditioning. But this particular evening, the guys chose to not go to sleep. Instead, one of them opened up a locker that I hadn't seen to open before, and inside were a pile of dirty magazines. They began distributing them to everyone in the break room. I wanted to crawl in a hole. I knew that looking at the magazines was wrong. Of course, I was tempted. But worse than the temptation was all the guys making fun of me. It felt like a group of pigeons with a french fry, and I was the french fry. I didn't want to have to explain myself, and I didn't want to talk about it. I just didn't want to be there. I huddled in a corner next to the refrigerator and tried to pretend everyone else just wasn't in the room. I should have just left the break room, but honestly, I didn't think of that for some reason. Psalm 144 is David's plea for God to rescue him from the people around him. He describes the people around him as surging water and describes their speech as lies and false promises. After God rescues him, there's abundant blessings promised. It's interesting because Psalm 144 uses pretty clear black and white language. My example from the aluminum job is also black and white. The options between right and wrong were obviously and clearly defined. 
But David is right. We live in a world of lies and false promises. We're all trying to sort out what's right and what's wrong. And it's easy to get swept away in the surging water of the culture and life around us. We get sucked into pursuing all the same things as everyone else. The word that has been translated grab in verse 7 can also be translated separate. The reality is that for us to live out our faith, we will look separated from everyone else around us. The choices that we make to live out God's way will make our lives different from other people. You'll receive strange looks. You'll get glares at times. People won't understand why you make the choices you make. David made the right choice, but a lot of Israel's other leaders didn't. The Bible is full of stories of the Israelites getting sucked into worshiping idols and false gods. Why? Because they wanted to be like the nations around them. They got sucked into the surging waters. The economic, political, and military pressures got to them and they caved. And it's the same with us. We're in a cesspool of economic and social pressures all the time. Will we cave or will we cry out to God for rescue? Let's pray. God, I call out to you for rescue. The fact is that I am not strong enough to stand out on my own. I can't swim against the tide or even stand up in the surging, swirling sea. So I call to you and ask that you would make me different. I pray that I'd be able to live out my faith and pursue the ways that have been taught by your word. A couple questions for you as we close today. Number one, how does your life look different from the people around you? And why is it hard to be different? What are the ways that you wish you were living out your faith, but you don't because of the pressures around you now? Thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time as we pray together. 